don't be afraid. Lock the doors. Turn out the lights. And climb into bed. It's time for Hillbilly Dead Time Stories. In Hollywood ghost stories, the spirits are nearly always malevolent. This is for dramatic purposes. The vengeful ghosts are intent on causing harm to the living, either by attacking them physically or scaring them so badly that they want to jump out of a window. The reality is that ghost and haunting phenomena are harmless, for the most part. Residual haunting, the kind that seem to be the recordings on the environment, simply play themselves out. True spirits or intelligent hauntings are either those who manifest to relay a message or are trapped entities who may not know that they're even dead. Very rarely, however, do they attack people. On tonight's episode, we will explore one of those rare cases. The teenage girl writhed on the floor in pain of the Manila Philippines jail cell. She moaned as if she were in terrible pain. Suddenly she sat upright, her eyes wide open, her arms flailing at an invisible foe. Here he comes again, she screamed. The monster has come again to bite me. The police officer who had been posted to observe 18-year-old Clarita Villanueva shook his head sadly at the distraught young woman's hysterical screams. He did not believe her wild tale of some bug-eyed monster with a black cape that flew around trying to chew her up. When the police had found Clarita, she had been walking about on the streets of Manila, sobbing for someone to protect her from a monster. Her strange behavior had attracted a small crowd of observers from a nearby tavern. They had stood by cheering her on, she struggled with her invisible attacker. She had been taken into custody under the suspicion of being either a drug addict or an alcoholic. It was a warm, sultry night in May 1951, just the kind of night that the police knew would bring out all of the city's undesirables. The officer at the scene clearly thought that Clarita was one of them. When police medical officer Dr. Mariana Lara gave the teenager a cursory examination, he diagnosed her as having suffered an epileptic episode and advised that she be closely watched so she could not injure herself. He left the police station quite sure of his diagnosis. The police officer guarding Clarita's cell reassured her that everything was okay as she crouched in terror behind the bunk in her cell. No monster can get you in there. He couldn't get through these bars. But he's coming, Clarita shrieked and he's drifting right through the bars. Then, before the officer's startled eyes, livid teeth marks began to appear on Clarita's upper arms and shoulders. He quickly opened the cell door, knelt beside the girl, and helped her to her feet. The girl screamed again, and more bleeding wounds and welts appeared on her arm. It was as if an invisible monster had wrapped his entire mouth around her slim arm and had sunk its teeth deep into her flesh. The officer helped Clarita into the hall and together they fled the cell to seek out his captain. 
The captain quickly assessed that the situation was far beyond anything his expertise as a law enforcement officer had prepared him for. Within a short time, the chief of police, the city's mayor, and the medical examiner had all gathered around Clarita, attempting to decide what could be done to help the girl. Mayor Arsenio Laxon and the chief of police had already completed their examination of Clarita by the time that Dr. Lara returned to the jail, muttering his disapproval at being dragged out of bed in the middle of the night to observe a young woman who he'd already diagnosed as suffering from epileptic seizures and obviously inflicting wounds upon herself. The two men frowned at the thought that these wounds were self-inflicted. How could she bite herself on the back of her neck? Mayor Laxon gently questioned Clarita while the doctor examined her. She was asked what was attacking her. The girl sobbed that she certainly did not know its name. It resembled a man with a long, flowing black cape. It was very ugly and it came at her with its fangs bared and ready to sink into her flesh. The medical examiner traced a forefinger over the indentations in the girl's skin. They certainly appeared to be the prints of teeth. He had to admit that the girl did not appear to be drunk or under the influence of any drugs. The police chief noted the date, May 10, 1951, on the calendar. A religious man, he had briefly entertained the notion that this might be the onset of a manifestation of a stigmata, a replication of the wounds that Christ suffered during the crucifixion. But there were no special holy days in the Philippines during the month of May. Clarita spent the rest of the night on the bench in the front office of the police station, closely attended by the officer who had been assigned the task of keeping watch for the monster he had not seen with his own eyes. The next morning, the girl was brought to court to face charges of vagrancy that had been levied against her. There, before the incredulous eyes of the entire court, Clarita endured another attack by the invisible monster. Reporters rushed to stand beside her for a closer look. Dr. Lara took the girl in his arms as she swooned from the excruciating pain of the unseen jaws that had attached themselves to her flesh. The girl is definitely not having an epileptic fit, Dr. Lara told the reporters. These teeth prints are real, and they are most certainly not self-inflicted. There was no need to attest to the reality of the teeth marks of the reporters. They were serving as startled witnesses to the cruel indentations that were appearing on the girl's arms, shoulders, palms, and neck. Dr. Lara told a police officer to send at once for the mayor and the archbishop. This is outside my realm of psychology and medicine, he said. Perhaps a clergyman will be more of value in this case than a doctor. By the time that Mayor Laxon arrived, the unfortunate girl had become a veritable mass of deeply embedded teeth prints and swollen and bruised flesh. You poor girl, the mayor commiserated, taking one of Clarita's hands into his home. Then, while he held her hand, deep teeth marks appeared on opposite sides of her index finger, as if a hungry fiend were trying to chew the finger completely off. Dr. Lara called for an ambulance and both he and Mayor Laxon rode with her to the hospital. The driver thought that Clarita was a victim of some horrible beating until the teeth began to attack her in the automobile. He drove the ambulance through Manila traffic, one eye on the road and the other on the tortured girl in the back. Throughout the 15-minute ride to the hospital, 
Clarita shouted that there were two creatures attacking her, one of them with large bag-like eyes and awful teeth. As the doctor and mayor watched in horror, teeth marks appeared on both sides of the girl's throat and on the hands that Mayor Laxon held in a vain attempt to comfort her. The unexplained attack ceased when Clarita entered the hospital. When she was released six weeks later, she had recovered her health almost completely. Clarita never again suffered from the terrible invisible jaws that had torn at her flesh, but her body would forever bear the scars of those vicious attacks by her invisible assailant. What exactly happened to Clarita Villanueva is a complete mystery, something that simply defies rational explanation. Dr. Lara commented, I don't mind saying that I was scared out of my wits. So I 